information from God's word that we're going to see here, this picture that he's laid out all the way back in the book of Leviticus. Um, I just, I love it when I know that God's doing what he has planned to do all the way through. So we're going to have a couple slides up here just as a reminder this morning. And I got a new gadget here. Let's see if this works. <laughs> okay. The Feast of Israel, and we're looking at, this is part three. Now we've covered already, next slide. We've covered already, God established a weekly calendar. So God designed a seven-day week so that he can emphasize the number seven to us. Okay, and that that number seven, that number seven it represents completion. It represents the fact that God has promised something. It's like a handshake. I am sevening this. It is a sealed deal. It's going to be accomplished, all right? And then God established a yearly calendar. And we've been looking at that through these feasts, that every year there were seven different feasts that had to occur. And we've already looked at the first four, okay? We're going to look at the last Three. Now, it shows us his plan for creation right there. Boy, I like this little thing. Okay, next slide. Now, the overview of what we've already looked at, okay, this last two weeks before Easter, number one is the Passover feast, which was the first one, represents the blood that was shed. And remember, that when that blood was applied, death passed over that person. Okay, and we understood that Jesus is our Passover. The Apostle Paul actually says it in that way. Jesus, our Passover. Okay, so he is the one when his blood was shed, and we know that John the Baptist, remember, said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. So that Passover Lamb whose blood was shed was only imagery of what Jesus was going to do for us. Okay, and we've looked at this. All of these things early in the scripture in the Old Testament are just physical pictures, historical images of a doctrinal truth that he is going to present. So when we looked at the unleavened bread, and we talk about the unleavened bread and in relationship to the Lord's Supper, what do we call the Lord's Supper sometimes? Communion, right? It, because our sins are now passed over, and the blood has taken away the guilt of sin, we can now have communion with God. Okay, something you can't, because why? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Once you have faith and your sin has been removed, now God can be in a relationship with you. Then we looked at the first fruit. So the moment Jesus Christ's blood is applied, you now can have fellowship with God. Then he talked about the resurrection, and the first fruits in the scripture, again, the, the Apostle Paul reminds us that Jesus Christ was the first fruits of those that slept. He is the first one to be resurrected from the dead. Okay, and that's the imagery of, this, uh, of the first fruits. That is, we now belong to God. He owns us. We ought to be giving our best. And then we talked about Pentecost. Okay, and Pentecost is when God took the Jews and the Gentiles and made one brand new thing called a Christian. Okay, and he told the disciples, I want you to wait in the upper room until I send you the Holy Spirit. Then once the Holy Spirit has come, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. All right, so those are the first four feasts. Those feasts have already occurred in history or the imagery 
has already occurred, right? Jesus has already come. He's already bought us our relationship with God. He resurrected from the dead, and he formed the church. All all four of these feasts have already taken place in history. The ones we're looking at today, next slide. In the seventh month, there were three more feasts, okay? Remember the importance of the number seven, okay? It symbolizes God makes a promise. He keeps his promise. God has a plan. He's working his plan, okay? When God says, listen, uh, I I promise you, I seven this. I'm going to make sure that this is done. You trust me, right? Okay, number seven. Next slide. After a short period of time, we'll talk about that. So you have a four-month period. We have the last three feasts. And um, we are in a time waiting for God to fulfill the rest of his plan. These next three feasts we're going to look at picture things that are still yet to come. All right, the four already happened. Three, we're looking forward to happening. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So... Now you know why I'm a little bit excited. Because those three things, that are, those four that already happened, they blessed us, but we're waiting for three more promises that God has left. Okay, and I don't know about you, I know there's a couple of them going, Lord, I'm ready. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. That's why this is so exciting. So look at the, let's go to the first feast. This is the Feast of Trumpets. So if you're in Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse 23. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, ye shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, and a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So here we see in that seventh month, we've had a break. Now in the seventh month, the first day of the month. Now this isn't in our notes up there. But notice he says on the first day of the month, you're going to have a Sabbath. Okay, now how many times have we said, well, people always say Sabbath is a Saturday, and you know, Saturday, Saturday. How many first days of the month fall on a Saturday? Sometimes they do, right? But a lot of times they don't. So again, just reminder, in God's book, Sabbath is a special day that God sets apart for something. It isn't only Saturday. Okay? Because some, sometimes we get hooked up and, and wound up that it has to be that, that one, the seventh, it has to be a Saturday, and that's the only... No, it is a special day that we are to remember. All right? That's why this is important. Too many people, and the, all the argument about, do we worship on Sunday? Do we worship on Saturday? Do we work? Should stores be open? Listen, we're losing the imagery if we begin to think it's only about a Saturday or a Sunday. Okay, this is about setting apart special things to God. All right, and that's what's important. So, the Feast of uh, Trumpets, you have heard this phrase before. The Jewish call it Rosh Hashan. Okay, that is the Feast of Trumpets. Now, just so you understand how this fits, these are all feasts given to Israel. So I want to, we're first going to remind ourselves what it means to Israel, but then we're also going to remember what it means to us, okay, because these things are are both. So in the Bible times, the trumpets were used for calling out God's people, moving them, directing them, warning them. They used trumpets all the time, okay. 
you may find that kind of weird, but how many of you served in the military? How many times did they use trumpets to announce something? Y'all, y'all heard of, of Reveille and other stuff? Now, they may not do it anymore. I don't know. I haven't been in the in armed forces in the la- since the computer age took off. But how many of you have watched some old-time war movies? And it's... The warnings are always... Blo- it has been centuries that trumpets have been used to notify people about what is happening. Okay, that is how God designed this from the very beginning. So the children of Israel, God uses trumpets to call them. And especially with these feasts, God is, uses a trumpet to call God's people together, to give them direction. Come over here, go over there. We're going to look at it in a minute. But here in Exodus, it says, And when the trumpet soundeth long, ye shall come up to the mount. Okay? God blows the trumpet, he tells the people, come on, come up. Next slide, please. Whenever God moved the tabernacle, now I'm not going to get into teaching this whole thing, but you had the tabernacle, and Levi and the priests were in the tabernacle. But here's the tabernacle, three tribes were up here, three tribes were to the west, three tribes were to the south, three tribes were to the east. Okay, And God used the trumpet to move all those tribes. If he wanted to call a certain tribe together, he wanted to move all the tribes, he wanted to move the elders of the tribes, he used a trumpet to announce it. Okay, so every time God wanted to do something and move his people around, he used a trumpet to do it. Look at the verse here. Make thee two trumpets of silver, a whole piece thou shalt make unto them, that thou mayest use them for calling of the assembly. Okay, for the journey of the camps. Over and over we see in the scripture that God uses that trumpet to call God's people, okay? This is something that's very important for Israel. They're looking forward to that. They're waiting for it as much as you and I. Go to the next slide. It pictures the regathering of Israel in the future. God is going to be calling Israel back to Jerusalem, okay? There's thousands of Jewish people living in all over this world. You know what they're waiting for? They're waiting to be able to be regathered back in Israel. They're laying aside treasures. They're preparing. I don't know if you ever watch the news or you can see these advertisements about the children of Israel. They're just waiting back to go to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, the last book in their Old Testament tells them to go back to Jerusalem. That's what they're waiting for. And God, in the picture here, we have the Feast of Trumpets. That trumpet is going to sound and bring Israel back into Jerusalem. And he's regathering his people, all right? And here it is, the congregation will be gathered together. You shall blow the sound of an alarm. Aaron and the police shall blow the trumpets, okay? It shall be an ordinance throughout your generations. But they'll blow the trumpet to regather the people, okay? That's what this feast represents to the Jews, okay? The Feast of Trumpets that they celebrate every year, Rosh Hashanah, is to remind them that God is going to be calling them all back to Jerusalem. You wonder why it's important to to the Israelites, to the Jews? Because every year they have a holiday that celebrates this. Someday we are going to be back in Jerusalem. Someday our God, our Messiah, is going to call us back and we're going to be Israel again in the the promised land. Okay, you with me so far? Because it gets better. Okay, next slide. 1 Thessalonians. Now, this isn't written to the Jews. This is written to the church. This is written to you and me. This is ours. 
Look what it says. For the Lord himself shall descend on high with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those that will uh, alive and remain shall be caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. We are also waiting for a trumpet, aren't we? Okay? There's going to be a trumpet to blow, and we're going to be called up out of here. Matter of fact, that word rapture, we don't find it in the scripture, but it means a catching up. So this Feast of Trumpets is so that Israel would remember that there's a gathering, that God is calling his people. But for the church, for you and I, this is also a reminder that God's going to be calling his people together. It just won't be here. It's going to be in heaven. Look at this other verse we've got. Okay, there's another gathering that's going to happen when the trumpet blows. I showed you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. So, man, this Feast of Trumpet pictures that there's a, a future event that Israel's waiting for, and a future event that you and I are waiting for. There's a trumpet going to blow. You see how God laid this out in Leviticus? He knew exactly what his eternal plan was. So we took care of all the stuff already that Jesus already did in the past. Now we're waiting. God's people, Israel, and God's people, the church, are waiting for a trumpet. And that's why the Feast of Trumpets is important. Because we're waiting for a trumpet. But it doesn't even end there. Go to the next slide. There's a connection to the harvest. In the first four, you wind up completing those at Pentecost, and then there are four months until the seventh month. Okay, so all those things that we saw in the first feast take place, then four months later, you have the seventh month where this takes place. <clears throat> Pentecost is called, get my pointer ready, Pentecost, we talked about already. That's when God called the church. He gave the church the Holy Spirit. He sent them out. This is the calling and anointing of the church. The Feast of Trumpets is the calling home of the church. Now get this. So this, from the Feast of Pentecost to the Feast of Trumpets, is when the church is here doing its work. Okay? So you have three months, all those first feasts, four months, and then the seventh feast. Now, that may not sound important to you, but do you remember what Jesus said? Go to the next slide. Say not yet that there are four months and then cometh the harvest. You ever catch that before when Jesus says that? And we think, oh, Jesus is just telling us what day it is on the calendar. No, understand something. The church is initiated at Pentecost. Four months later, the church is called away. He says, don't say there's four months until the harvest. The harvest is happening right now. And see, here's why this is very important, and we're going to end with this thought, same thought. There are so many people in Christianity right now who want to learn about end times. They're focusing on prophecy. They want to know... What's the future? We're looking at things right now in the news, right? And we say, oh, Lord, look at what's going on. You're that much closer to coming. You know what Jesus' focus was? The harvest. 
He said, don't just say in four months it'll be all done. He said, the harvest is ready right now. So I love this. God says, in the third month, I'm making the church. In the seventh month, I'm taking the church out. You've only got a certain amount, certain amount of time to get out there and win souls to Christ. He says, don't say there's four months and then comes the harvest. We're not waiting to the end of this. We've got work to do right now. And there's the focus, and we'll go back to that. But look at what it says. Jesus emphasized we need to focus on the harvest. Okay? Therefore, he said unto them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. You know, one of the issues that I think we find in Christianity today, and sometimes even here in this church, sometimes even in my own life, is we're so focused on what God's going to do in the future that we forget we have a short time to do things right now. So when we're talking about this feast of trumpets and going, yes, Lord, blow the trumpet, I'm ready to go home. Jesus says, don't be sitting there just waiting for the trumpet to blow. Get out there and do the harvest now. We'll be back to that. Next slide. Remember, Israel will be gathered together in the future, right? shall come to pass that in that day the trumpet shall be blown, they which are ready to perish, okay, and they shall worship the Lord in the holy mount of Israel. God will still be working with Israel. Now those of us who studied the book of Revelation just a few year, a year and a half ago, we understand that once the church is out of here, God still uses Israel. He's still going to bring them home. They're still going to be here for the tribulation. They're still going to be here for a thousand years with Jesus on this earth. He's still got a plan for Israel. Now, what's my point in that? God's always had a plan. And he tells the, the children of Israel, all the way back here, I want you to have a special feast with trumpets because I want you to remember that I got a plan and I'm working my plan. All right, you with me so far? God is sovereign. He is amazing. Everything that he wants to do, he's doing just the way he planned it. All right, next slide. Okay, another one. All the inhabitants of the world on the earth, see ye, when he lifted up an ensign in the mountains, when he, when he bloweth the trumpet, hear ye. How many, now, I want you to notice this. There's a trumpet going to be blown, but how many, who sees it? All the inhabitants of the world. There's going to be some amazing things that happen. We talk about when the rapture takes place and God's people are called away, what, the, what kind of chaos that's going to cause in this world. But also, when that trumpet blows and Israel regathers in Jerusalem, that is also going to be something that the entire world sees. And they're going to be paying attention. Okay, look, the last one. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm in my holy mount. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. God is working his plan. Trust him. Amen? Some amazing stuff here. All right, next feast. The Feast of the Day of Atonement. Now again, this Day of Atonement is called Yom Kippur. Have you ever seen that? It's, a lot of times it's right on your calendars. So we know what Rosh Hashanah is. That's the Feast of Trumpets. Now you have Yom Kippur. Okay, if you, That's what the Jews, the, our calendar, calls this Day of Atonement. And I want to read these verses together just so we see it. Look at verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 
Also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is an atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it shall be that would do any work in that same day, that soul will be destroyed from among the people. And ye shall do no manner of work, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be unto you as a Sabbath of rest that ye may afflict your souls. And in the ninth day of the month, from even, from even unto even, shall ye celebrate your Sabbath. So he says this is the day of atonement. Now we talk about the day of atonement. We went over it very clearly in Leviticus chapter 16, okay, where you have the scapegoat and all the other things that go on. But there's an amazing picture to this again. This is when God, okay, we use that word atonement, but I broke it down because it's really easy to understand what it means, at-one-ment. You're at one with God. Okay, now before we talked about the Feast of Tells, says we're in fellowship with God. This is the time when you are actually dwelling one with God. Okay, at some point in the near future, Jesus Christ himself, Messiah, will be living on this planet with the children of Israel. They will be one. Okay, now hold on to that, because I told you I'm going to talk about Israel first, then I'm going to talk about us. Okay, Israel first, it pictures God's deliverance of Israel. Okay, when Israel gathers back to Jerusalem, they will be afflicted, but their Messiah will come and deliver them from this. Those of you who studied Revelation with me, you know what I'm talking about. The children of Israel will gather together, and then the Antichrist is going to cause quite a ruckus. But then Jesus Christ himself, Messiah, comes and delivers them. And from that point forward, Jesus Christ is in a physical relationship with them in, in, on this earth. Not not gone up to heaven but on this planet with israel go to the next slide okay from that day forward christ messiah will be with israel look at zechariah and i will pour upon the house of david i will uh, and upon the inhabitants of jerusalem the spirit of grace of supplication and look at this they shall look upon me whom they have pierced who was that jesus right and shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his, uh, his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one in bitterness for the firstborn. They finally will know who Jesus really is. Okay, they will rec recognize their Messiah, and he is going to come here and dwell with them. Next slide. Zechariah. In that day there shall be a fountain open in the house of David to the inhabitants of Israel for sin and for uncleanness. God, Jesus, their Messiah, will finally deliver Israel. Okay, now please remember, you and I as a church, Jew or Gentile, if we are believers in Jesus, we've accepted him, we have a special relationship with Jesus. We talked about that. He makes Jew and Gentile one brand new thing called a Christian. 
But for God's chosen people, Israel, there's a different deliverance that they get. Okay? Their Messiah will come down here physically to deliver the children of Israel. Okay, so they are waiting someday. They are going to be afflicted, like the, this passage just said, okay, through the tribulation. And then Jesus, their Messiah, will come and deliver them, and he will spend the rest of eternity in their presence dwelling with them. That's awesome, right? Next slide. Oh, notice. I don't know if you noticed already in the Feast of, in the feast of Trumpets. And here, how many times did it say no work? Absolutely no work. You, nothing. Why? Because there's nothing you and I can do to earn God's salvation. We can't do it as Christians. The Jews can't do it. God is going to take care of it. The picture has always been no work. It is a gift from God. He gives it to us. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. And over and over and over in this passage, do no servile work. If you decide to do work, you're going to be cut off. There is nothing you can do to earn this. This is God himself alone giving it. Okay, now next slide. Christians also will be with their Savior after the trumpet calls us home. Now we talk about the Feast of Atonement, that Day of Atonement where God delivers them and he spends eternity in their presence. He calls them to Israel with a trumpet and then he's going to spend the rest of eternity with them he calls us home to heaven and he's going to spend the rest of eternity with us. How awesome is this, guys? I'm just telling you, it's amazing what God has laid out in his Old Testament. Go ahead, next slide. We are redeemed, but we're still waiting for one part of our redemption to be complete, right? And for those of us who are sick, that's weird. I can't talk to people who aren't here. Okay, for the folks who aren't here today, we are reminded how these bodies are a mess. And someday we get a brand new body. The Bible says right here that we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We are guaranteed a place in heaven with God someday. And I'm going to get rid of this old thing. You know, these, na- where'd you go? These glasses, I'm not going to need them. This old back, I don't know what I did a couple, uh, last night or day before, I messed up my knee and I'm hobbling around. And I'm doing all right as long as I walk in a straight line. But if you pull one of these, you go to turn. That knee just wants to give out today. I'm like, oh, great. Knee surgery on the way. I don't know. But I just go, Lord, I'm ready for that brand new body. Because you know what? I'm guaranteed a place with God. Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. That relationship is put together perfectly. I have that. But I still live in this old body. Someday when the trumpet calls us out we'll be in heaven with him forever in our redeemed bodies i'm looking forward to that day i hope you are too so see how so far these two feasts that we've already looked at it's a picture of israel what god's doing but it's also for us this was laid out in a bunch of meals that god designed back in leviticus that the children of israel would stop and have a holiday and celebrate dinner together how awesome God is, right? Last one. The Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, The Bible calls it, uh, and the Jews refer to it as the Feast of Booths. Okay, Booths. Now I'm going to read this passage with you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, 
the fifteenth day of the seventh month, ye shall, shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be in holy convocation. It shall, you shall do no servile work therein. There we go again. This whole passage is you're not going to work. You can't work. No work. Okay. No servile work therein. Verse 37. Seven days ye shall, off, uh, shall, offering, shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly and the, uh, unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer offerings made by fire, and burnt offerings, and meat offerings, and sacrifices, and drink offerings, everything upon his day. Beside the Sabbaths of the Lord, and beside your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside all your free will offerings, which the Lord, uh, which ye shall give unto the Lord. Also the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered the fruit of the land, and uh, you shall keep the feast unto the Lord seven days, and the feast, uh, the first day shall be a Sabbath, and the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day boughs of goodly trees and branches of palm trees, and boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook, and ye shall, re- and shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in a year. It shall be a statute forever for your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. And here it comes. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are, in, that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. And I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So he sets the last feasts up and says, all these offerings you do, everything is great. He lists them all, you know, free will offerings, drink offerings, every offering you can think about. And God says, but it's going to end with this. And this is important, that you guys live in booths for a little while. Okay, uh, you guys know that the word tabernacle basically means a tent. It's a temporary dwelling. Okay, that is what a tabernacle means. So when we talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, it means the feasts of little temporary dwellings. Okay, um, that is why the tabernacle was important in the Old Testament, because they were reminded that this world is not their home. They're just passing through. Okay, you don't set down roots because it's not where you go. But, It pictures God dwelling with Israel. God is going to tabernacle himself with his people. So God is going to set up a dwelling place with Israel. So we see the trumpet blow. God comes and he delivers them. And now he is going to live with them. He's going to dwell with them. And this is the picture every year. And no matter how many sacrifices we're offering, the image was, I want you to remember that I want to dwell with you. I want to be your God. Okay, we'll keep going on this thought in a minute. But their Messiah, Jesus Christ, will be on this earth with them. 
for a thousand year reign and then beyond into eternity. Look at the next slide. Is this awesome or what? Now, I want you to hang on to this thought for a minute. Um, Before I even read this verse, you see this name here? Anybody know what that name is? You can say it, Yeshua. There are two ways that word is used. Once in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament. Uh, Anybody know the phrase Yeshua HaMashiach? Our our Israeli missionary uses that all the time. It means Jesus the Messiah. Do you know the word Yeshua also means Joshua? Okay, now this is awesome. I love this. This is just a side picture. Okay, so God says there's going to be booths set up. And as a matter of fact, in Nehemiah, look here. All the congregation of them that were come out of captivity made booths and sat under the booths for... Since the days of Yeshua, son of Nun, unto the day uh, had not the children of Israel done so, and there was great gladness. Now, let me put this stuff aside just for a second. Nehemiah, where we're reading from, okay, is right when Israel regathers in Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem was sacked and it was broken down. And Nehemiah helps rebuild the walls of the city and the children of Israel come back to Jerusalem. Sound familiar? When they come back to Jerusalem, they dwell in booths. Okay? That's this exact same picture of what we're talking about. So it happened in Nehemiah's day. It's going to happen again in the end times. When God's people join back in Israel, they're dwelling in booths with God. Now, this is the best part. It talks about God with man, right? God is going to be living on this earth with you and me, the Messiah, Jesus. When's the last time Jesus was here? A long time ago, wasn't it? Okay, so he hasn't been with human beings since the resurrection, some 2,000 plus years ago. Okay, He hasn't dwelled here since then. Catch this. Now, this is the awesome part. This word, ah, no, back, back, back. She jumped me. Okay, keep going back. Don't you love technology? Okay, there you go. Notice it says, that the children of Israel had not done this, they had not dwelled with Yeshua since the time that he was here. You catch it? They said, for since the days of Yeshua, unto that day, none of the children dwelled in booths with him. Get that. What it says, again, this is another future prophecy that the children of Israel are going to dwell with Jesus when he comes back. He said they hadn't done it since Yeshua back then. This is an amazing passage. Okay? They are going to booth, dwell, be living together with Jesus Christ when he comes again. That, to me, is just awesome. 
So this Old Testament passage that says, Joshua, Jesus, go to the next slide. So Israel gathered again in Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day. They made booths to celebrate. But since the days of Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, they had not done that. It was a long period of time. But notice this. This feast is not celebrated again in its fullness until Jesus comes. That's what that whole passage is about. Someday, Jesus is going to return to this earth and the real feast of booths takes place because Jesus is actually here again on this planet. How awesome is this? All right, last slide. Or not last one, maybe yet. We're going. For believers is a picture when we dwell with our Savior forever in a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. So the feast was set up to remind Israel that someday God will come and tabernacle himself on this planet with them. But it also was a reminder to you and I that we have a heavenly home. And I could have pulled out a bunch of verses for this. Um, the Bible says, my, In my Father's house are many mansions. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. Okay, this tabernacle feast of tabernacles reminds us that we are going to have a place with our savior for eternity here's the verse that i love and i heard a great voice in heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and god himself shall be with them and be their god even so come quickly lord jesus right god has a plan and he wants to dwell with us for eternity if you are a jew and god's people he will be dwelling here on this earth physically with the nation of israel if you're a believer he's going to sound a trumpet and we're going to be dwelling in eternity with him in mansions what is that i've got a mansion just over the hills in that bright land where we'll never grow old Amen? That is amazing to me. So those first four feasts picture what Christ has already done. These last three feasts picture what Christ is still going to do. He's going to blow a trumpet and call Israel and Christians home. He's going to have the Day of Atonement because he's going to unite with them and deliver them and be their God. And then he is going to live forever with them right in their presence. Us in heaven, Israel on earth. How awesome is that? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But, but I told you I'd get back around to this. As much as you and I want to say, Amen, I look forward to the future. That's awesome what's coming. Last slide. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We need to remember the Lord of harvest is calling laborers to go out into his field. Jesus says, listen, these things are coming, but don't say, don't you dare say, there are four months and this stuff's going to happen. So we'll just sit back and twiddle thumbs. The harvest is happening right now. So as much as this stuff is to celebrate for us and for Israel, we need to be out there harvesting people we need to be preaching the gospel to souls i mean i'm excited he could blow a trumpet right now i'm good blow the trumpet i'm ready but if he doesn't 
we've got a harvest to go be a part of. So as we leave today, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share this truth, because time is short. The field is white unto harvest. It's not going to be that much longer, and we won't be able to harvest anymore. Yeah, all these wonderful things are going to happen. Okay, we're going to hear a trumpet. We're going to be delivered to God, and he's going to dwell with us forever. But we're still here, so we've got work to do. Amen, let's pray. Heavenly Father, this, this is an amazing passage to me again. There are so many awesome things that you have promised. You have sevened them. Lord, you have made a plan and you're completing your plan. How awesome is that? And Father, I, I, it just for thousands of years you have given us glimpses of what you're going to do. And Lord, we know you're going to do it. You don't break a promise. Nothing ever disturbs your eternal plan. But Lord, with that stuff in the future and how exciting it is to know the guarantee of what we have waiting for us, Lord, we can't sit back and say, well, it's coming. There's four months. I'll just hang around and wait and see. Lord, the fields are white unto harvest already. We need to be laborers in that harvest. Lord, there are people out there who need to hear about Jesus and the salvation he offers to everyone. So, Father, help us as we uh, go out from this place. Thank you again that we have a church to come to to get some rest, to get some encouragement, get some marching orders. But, Lord, that's why your Bible says go. We need to get out there and share this truth with others. Thank you, Lord, for your love and how awesome you are. I look forward to spending the rest of eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen.